That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Yeah, well, <clears throat> let me try that without a pick. All right. From my home here in Taylor, Mississippi, population 343 plus me, it's about an hour drive to the eastern edge of the part of the state known as the Mississippi Delta. You know, the Delta begins at the Mississippi-Tennessee state line near Memphis, although lots of folks will say it begins in the lobby of the Peabody Hotel in Memphis. But it runs about 200 miles south, edged on the west by the Great River, and covers 7,000 square miles past the city of Greenwood on the eastern side. The entire area contains the most fertile soil in the United States and was once covered by thick primeval hardwood forests. And much of it was then cleared to farm sugarcane, rice, and yes, cotton. For so many people, the Delta is nothing more than a romantic notion. Tourists come from all over the world to visit the birthplace of the blues, Clarksdale, Mississippi. There's a juke joint festival every year, and it draws thousands upon thousands of blues fans. Many who pay to stay in places like the Shack of Hinn, which are redone sharecropper shacks, in some kind of effort, I guess, to enhance their experience, to get closer to the real blues as justification for such craziness. There are tour buses will take you out to Stovall Plantation, where Muddy Waters and Helen Wolf worked and lived, and to Robert Johnson's grave. Now, the Delta has a rich history both wonderful and at the same time just undeniably terrible. I often tell people the best and worst of America resides in the Delta. The area has spawned the most influential music, art, and literature this country has to offer, and yet holds the sad legacy of some of the most horrific race crimes ever committed. From the southeast corner of Greenwood, You take a little drive up Money Road, and you pass the Bobby Gentry historical marker at the Tallahatchie River Bridge. She made famous in her song, Ode to Billy Joe. You cross the bridge, a few more miles, you come to Robert Johnson's gravesite in the cemetery of the Mount Zion Baptist Church. Robert Johnson is without question one of the greatest influences on rock and roll and blues guitar playing. You drive another few miles up that same road, 
You come to the dilapidated ruin of Bryant's Grocery. Now this is where 14-year-old Emmett Till supposedly whistled at Mrs. Bryant, a white woman, which led to his capture, torture, and death at the hands of Mr. Bryant and two other white men. None of them were found guilty of their crimes, yet everybody knew they did. This morning, I'm a passenger in a car heading to the heart of the Delta. We're on our way to Parchment Farm State Prison in the center of the Delta. The investigation started after an outburst of violence in late 2019 that led to a prison riot lasting several weeks. The DOJ noted the excessive use of solitary confinement and enforced uh, segregation of, of prisoners. The human rights violations in Parchment have been ongoing for years. Ten inmates have been killed at Parchment uh, in the past three years. The deaths are a result of a guard shortage and abysmal conditions inside the prison. But what's happening in Parchment is just the tip of the iceberg. iceberg, iceberg, iceberg. I was invited by Mr. Louis Bourgeois and Sally Lott McClellan. Louis is the director of the nonprofit Prison Rights Initiative. Now that's rights, W-R-I-T-E-S. He teaches creative writing to the men on death row. And because of the rules for that block, there's no open area to meet. And Louis does his teaching through the bars of their cells. Sally teaches art to a group of men housed in block 30 which is a medium security block focused on education and drug rehab. And she invited me to speak to her small group, play some guitar, talk about my journey, and you know, explain maybe what art of all kind means to me. I have no idea what to expect today. I've never been in a prison. Well, aside from that one night I spent in Santa Barbara County Jail on a DUI, but, make no mistake, I don't expect Parchment to be anything like the holding tank of a county jail in the center of California white privilege. Out the window, we're passing mile after mile of the flat bottomland of the Delta. Right now it's in between crop seasons, so it's mostly brown fields now. But I've come through the Delta just before the cotton harvest, and it looks like it's covered in a thick blanket of snow. Just bright, fluffy white stretching to the horizon. Paul Simon's Graceland comes to mind. The Mississippi Delta was shining like a national guitar. It's wonderful imagery, Paul. Kind of romantic. But that immediately gets wiped out of my brain by the lyrics to the classic song Parchment Farm, written by blues great Bucka White. I'm sitting here on Parchment Farm. Never did anybody no harm. Well, I'm going to be here for the rest of my life, and all I did was shoot my wife. Now, I don't know if Bucka White actually shot his wife, but he did do time at Parchment. So did another blues great, Sunhouse. 
the great civil rights hero John Lewis did as well, as did Stokely Carmichael, head of SNCC, the Students' Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Many of the Freedom Riders arrested for the lunch counter sit-ins and protests about voting rights in the state did time as well. They all served time in the same place that Sam Bowers, head of the White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan, did for arranging the murders of the three student civil rights protesters in Neshoba County, and Vernon Damer, head of the NAACP. My friend Curtis Wilkie wrote an incredible book about the murder in Bowers trial called When Evil Came to Laurel, which is a town in southern Mississippi that spawned the KKK. And along with Bowers, so did Edgar Ray Killen, another Klan member involved in the killing of the three students. Now, Bowers was sentenced to life in 1998 for ordering the murder of Vernon Damer, which took place in 1966. He was 82 when he died in Parchman. You know, the wheels of justice turned slowly for some in Mississippi. But to give you an idea of how slowly they move and to give you a sense of how brutal Parchment Farm is, the DOJ just released a report finding the conditions at Parchment violate the inmates' constitutional rights under the 8th and 14th Amendments by failing to stop violence or provide proper mental health, especially for those on suicide watch and in solitary confinement. The report says these conditions are the result of, quote, years of deliberate indifference, unquote, from the Mississippi Department of Corrections. There are people serving long, long prison sentence in parchment for possession of pot. Not selling, possessing a small amount. I kid you not, my friends. We're about to turn off Highway 49, which is one of the main Delta roads, immortalized by Howlin' Wolf, the song Highway 49. And it crosses paths in Clarksdale uh, with Highway 61, that junction being long mythologized as the crossroads where Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil in exchange for his otherworldly talent. The road leading up to the farm is a long two-lane road that runs through acres of cleared farmland. You can see for miles before any tree line comes into view. Parchment sits on 28 square miles. That's close to 20,000 acres. The nearest small town is 15 miles away to the east. There's no fencing around the outer perimeter of the property. Even if you somehow manage to escape There's nowhere to run and certainly nowhere to hide. As we pull up to the entrance to show IDs to the guard at the gate, my heart is starting to pound in some kind of weird mix of fear, anxiety, and excitement. Sally tells me, yes, the men will be wearing stripes. And I think what awaits inside is some combination of Cool Hand Luke and oh brother where art thou with none of the comedy bits I'm not allowed to take my phone in because no photos 
or recordings are allowed. No money is to be taken inside either. No gifts of any kind. I will need to pass through a metal detector and the guard will want to look inside my guitar case. The art class will last about an hour and a half. I'll fill you in after my visit. I met with Sally's art group, not in a room, but in a hallway, because there was no space otherwise. And this is where she teaches the classroom. A couple of long tables. There were maybe nine of us in total. The artwork that these men had done were posted up on the wall, and they ranged from watercolors, pen and ink drawings, uh, mixed media. And I got to tell you, some of it was fantastic. Obvious talent with some of these men. You know, the prisoners there wear stripes, black and white striped pants. And most of the men had on either white T-shirts or uh, white sweatshirts. Sitting around these tables, I get introduced to them we start talking, just, you know, getting to introduce each other and, and chat a bit. And within 10 minutes, I swear, I forgot that I was in a room full of criminals. I was just talking with a bunch of guys. They could have been a bunch of dudes hanging out at the bar with me by all appearances with the exception of one of the inmates who was you know gang tatted up and had some face tats you would have never thought that any one of these guys were in for something probably pretty heinous because there were lifers and cats serving long-term sentences we talked about my journey a bit they wanted to know about you know, it was like to be a rock star, of course. Most of them knew at least some background about me because I think Sally had told them who I was, what I'd done, what I'm doing now. Now, a couple of the guys were musicians, uh, guitar players, and, you know, I had my guitar with me. I pulled it out, showed it to them, told the story of how I came about this particular acoustic guitar beautiful Husson Dalton that I had custom made for me as my 60th birthday present (laughs) to myself but it's a beautiful instrument and I really you know just enjoy people enjoying it so it got passed around to a couple of players and they were good they were really good and one of the guys sang a couple of tunes of his own that he had written. He had an incredible voice. So this is all piling up in my head, you know, thinking on one side, curious about what these guys, how they ended up in parchment. And it was not a question that got asked. Wouldn't have been appropriate. Go around the room and go, so what are you in for? What are you in for? What are you in for? And 
I'm sure they you know, would have told me, but I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. The longer I talked with them and heard from them, it was really heartbreaking. So one side of my brain is, man, I have no idea what these guys did. They really fucked up. And the other part of me is, man, not there, but the grace of God go I, but there by the grace of my father. I grew up in western Pennsylvania, coal mining, North Appalachia, a half a degree of separation from white trash. My grandparents lived in a trailer. Some of my cousins lived in trailers. I had uncles who were dairy farmers, cousins who were mechanics. My dad was a mechanic. Indiana, Pennsylvania is a small town at the time, and most of the people around me were going to be stuck there. And I'm looking across the table at these guys, and I'm thinking, I could be talking to one of my family members. When I say, by the grace of my dad, I have to give my dad credit because he worked his ass off and moved us out of that area. And after a couple of moves, ending up in solid, middle-class Hartford, Connecticut, West Hartford, Connecticut. But what would have happened to me if I had stayed there? If my dad hadn't left, if my dad continued to be an auto mechanic and didn't get into insurance and then upper management in that world and elevate us out of lower class. What would I have done? What would the lack of opportunities done to my life? So I have some empathy for the guys that I'm sitting across the table from. It was a weird yet wonderful experience and I'm glad I did it. I've been invited to come back at some point and they have a band. Actually, one of the guys told me that they had just gotten approved to outfit a band with all the equipment that they needed. Got a big order from Sweetwater. Amps, instruments, PA, which I think is fantastic. And they asked if I would come back and play with them and I did not hesitate. It was actually part of the conversation. I was talking about cooking how I, I love to cook. And one of the guys asked me, can you, can you really cook? <laughs> now, one of the workshops that they have on, in Parchment is a, is a metal working shop. And the inmates make, along with other things, these amazing grills and smokers. And I happened to see one out on the lawn as we were coming into the the cell block, and I was like, whoa. I mean, it was like the Cadillac of smoker grills. I was like, man, I want one of those. And when the guy asked me if I could cook, I said, you know, I'll tell you what, is that one of your grills out there? And he said, yeah. And I said, I'll come back and cook for y'all anytime. <laughs> I feel bad for these men. Life has been not very kind, to say the least. Now, one of the guys, he's in the middle of a 20-year stretch, said, you know, I look at my time here as a gift. 
And he said, you know, people on the outside world are too busy. They're too busy to pay attention to the important things. And he said, my time here is a gift of time. I've gotten my GED. I'm working on my BA. I read, educate myself. I write. Nobody bothers me. So it's a luxury. I get three meals a day. I got a place to sleep, a roof over my head, and I'm okay with it. Now, friends, I got to tell you, I spent a lot of time thinking about this man and what he said. And the only conclusion I come to is the fact that his life must have been so chaotic and so bereft of a home life, of love, of attention, that he views his situation now in one of the worst prisons in the country as a gift. Thanks for listening to A Leisure Class. I'm your host, Jack Sonny.